Welcome to Remembering History. Together we are going to remember the past that has been whitewashed out of our history books. Recently there have been protests across the country against police brutality and against the white supremacist system that supports them. A part of my a part of what I need to do to help fight this system is to educate myself of its past and how we got here. Uh, this has been a long journey for me and it did not start recently. It has started uh, years ago and, and we all know probably when. But uh, a part of that is coming to terms with the history of the United States and how much of it we don't know because of it catering to white people and making sure that it makes white people feel uh, alleviated from the racist ways of the past that are still present uh, because nothing cha has changed as far as how white people are dealing with the problem because white people are a part of the problem. We are often defensive of our past because we have been fed and uh, a fed a lie to believe that no matter what we are an individual that had nothing to do with the past even though that by doing that we are continually to perpetuate the fact that we are being racist in the present in our history and there's a lot more that we can discuss on that topic uh, but for me a part of this journey and a part of being anti-racist is to remember the past and remember why we forgot and how we forgot and today we're going to talk about something that is not um that has not been forgotten but is not well known uh and it's not well known in the state that it happened in uh it's not well known because of the same reasons that uh the massacre in tulsa oklahoma is not well known and is because if we were to write about these things in our history we would have to confront the fact that racism is still a thing in our present and white people who are the pe majority of the people writing the history books do not want to have that discussion well we're here to have that discussion we are here to talk about these uncomfortable things because without talking about them we will never learn from our past and i am a firm believer of those who do not know their own history are doomed to repeat it and because we did not know this history we have been doomed to repeat it now today we are going to talk about the rosewood massacre of 1923 
Rosewood is a town in Florida, or was a town in Florida, that in the beginning of 1923 was razed to the ground except for one building by a white mob. Now, we... There are plenty of resources out there to give you a detailed blow-by-blow -blow of the events on the day. Um, I'm going to give a brief summary of them, and then I'm going to talk about the after effects and why it has been forgotten and then why and how it got brought back to the forefront and even then that is still not being taught and is still not being remembered in the state where it happened let alone the country where it happened and yeah i mean this is This is going to be a <laughs> learning curve on how best to uh, do this, but I hope you are willing to uh, take that journey along with me as we learn about our past so that we can fix our present. All right, a few things about the background of Rosewood, Florida. Uh, before we even get to the city itself. Three years prior to the incident in Rosewood, to the Rosewood Massacre, there have been one, two, three, four, five attacks on black Americans in Florida perpetuated by the KKK and other hateful white people of the time, white Americans of the time. In fact, the night before the massacre at Rosewood, there was a Ku Klux Klan parade held in Gainesville. And it was a parade denouncing the rights that black Americans had gotten at that time which were still not that many. Florida has a history of bigotry and white supremacy in it. Uh, that is a much deeper topic than we will be going into today. But know that these things did not just occur. This event did not just happen. A, a group of white people did not just suddenly show up and kill innocent black Americans. It is something that has been rooted in their lifestyle for years prior. And these incidents that I brought up, the, the that are in the records that were sent to the Florida Board of Regents in 1993, which we will get into why that, that was sent to them later, uh, there's there to show that there's a history of this violence in this area prior to the massacre at Rosewood. 
all right because again we don't we as white people do not want to admit our mistakes in the past and so because this was covered up we had to set a precedence as to why this thing just didn't happen and wasn't just a group of bad apples no it was not a just some bad apples and some bad actors it was a whole poisoned orchard that was killing innocent americans all right so that's the background is a town that is comprised majority of black americans is in a densely densely populated area full of white americans who are a part or connected to the Ku Klux Klan. Now, some in information about the town of Rosewood. Rosewood itself is near the Gulf of Mexico. Uh, it's nine miles east of Cedar Key in Florida. Uh, it is also three miles away from a smaller town uh, called Sumner, which uh, eventually did get to be larger. They're, the main industry in uh, Rosewood and in Sumner was at a pencil mill and a turpentine mill. All right, uh, the mill started in Rosewood. Then when they used up the resources in that area, they moved uh, the mill itself moved to Sumner, and the majority of the white population of Rosewood went uh, where the mill went as well. And the black American, uh, the black population of Rosewood stayed there. Uh, there is one significant business owner in Rosewood who was not black. Um, his name was John Wright. Uh, he was white and ran the general store and lived in uh, a house in Rosewood as well with his family. Uh, they will come up later as well. Uh, this town of Rosewood was quite prosperous and was growing. Uh, and in all honesty, even though there is very little written down about it, uh, the fact that the town of Rosewood was more prosperous than the town of Sumner was not something that white people in the area liked. And it is something that we as white people need to recognize in our own history, as something that will probably not be mentioned uh, a ton of in the history books, or even if we can find sources of it other than uh, preserved articles of the time period. There are newspaper articles and reports, but something that has been history, uh, historically shown is that when black Americans build up any type of wealth, white Americans of any varying type of wealth uh, are not happy about it and will take actions uh, and will do so at the slightest pro provocation. <sighs> 
So, we have a prosperous town of Rosewood. Tensions in the city, or in the two towns of Sumner and Rosewood are uh, tenuous at best, uh, but both black Americans and white Americans were uh, getting along peacefully despite, again, the um, amount of KKK members that lived in the area, this area of Florida at the time. The Rosewood Massacre uh, is started because of a woman named Fanny Taylor. Frances Taylor was 22 years old and married to James Taylor, who worked at the mill. Uh, James worked early in the morning, and it is commonly known amongst the town that his wife was uh, having extramarital affairs during that time period when he was away uh, from work. On the morning of January 1st, 1923, she ran out of her house while it was dark, screaming that someone had come into her house, tried to get her baby, and that that someone was a black man. Uh, eventually, that claim became that she was raped by a black man. Uh, there's nothing in the research I've done to indicate that she was, um, the, or at least that she was raped, uh, or even made that claim, but she did claim that she was beaten by a black man, and she was taken at face value by everyone including law enforcement. Law enforcement at the time was one man, really. His name is Robert Elisha Walker. He was the sheriff of Levy County, where Rosewood is located in. Robert uh, Walker, the Sheriff Walker, he raised a posse to uh, investigate the claim, and they learned that a black prisoner, Jesse Hunter, escaped from a chain gang, and they started to go look for him. Men started arriving from all over the area to help. Uh, he deputized a few people, and eventually, with the use of dogs, they were able to track a scent that led them to Rosewood. This is where they accuse a man named Aaron Carter and uh, tie him to a car and drag him from Rosewood to Sumner, which is three miles away. Uh, Sheriff Walker put Aaron into protective custody. Uh, <laughs> to get him away from the posse that he had created. And uh, also started to urge 
black employees to stay away from the mills. Then a another group of uh, these white Americans then join, uh, created another mob and seized Sam Carter and tortured him uh, until he admitted he had helped the escaped gang uh, chain gang member Jesse Hunter tortured him for this information then they killed him after they had gotten what they wanted and then left his body as an intimidation symbol to the people of Rosewood uh, they were scared they did not know what to do there's a debate on whether they should stay or they should leave the town of Rosewood after this all of this happened because of a false claim a common thread in the use of force that white Americans used. This is not the first time in our history, and it is still happening to this day, where black men are being accused of something by white women. Point in case, we all know recently of a Karen caught on film threatening a black man for filming her while bird walking her bird watching Fanny Taylor knew what she was doing when she made this claim and knew at the very least that a black man would get killed for it whether she knew the whole town of Rosewood would be raised to the ground, that is uns uh, unsure. But at the very least, she knew that what she was doing would result in at least the death of a black man. After this lynching, of Sam Carter because that's what it was it was a lynching Sylvester Carrier a prominent figure in Rosewood refused to leave his town and offered protection to those who would stay Now, before I continue with what happens next, I do want to finish discussing something about Fanny Taylor. In the research that I've done, uh, there is significant evidence 
that she was covering for her extramarital affairs. To the point that uh, there's evidence that, uh, where, where was it? They even had the name of the man. Uh, let me see if I can find this. Excuse me, excuse me. Oh. Hold on. Oh, I can't find this at the moment. I should have set it aside. But she was having an affair with a white man. There are survivors of the Rosewood Massacre that uh, confirm this. There, ah, here it is. There we go. Boom. She was having an affair with John Bradley, uh, who worked for the Seaboard Airline Rail Railway, which ran through uh, Rosewood that railway as well and that will uh which was a part of why rosewood was so prominent a location at the moment like there's a mill that was placed there and brought income and industry to the the area even when the and before the mill moved there was a train put down to stop at the mill another train track more track was and a stop was put down at sumner when the mill moved but the train still stopped at Rose, Rosewood, so economic growth was going to happen. <sighs> so, in all of the other things that I've researched that talk about Rosewood, they often leave out who Fanny Taylor was having an affair with, uh, and I'm not sure as to why. Because uh, it's on the Wikipedia entry, which is very thoroughly researched and cited about Rosewood. So I highly recommend, if you want to go deeper into it, uh, go to the Wikipedia entry. There's tons of information there. Also, all the sources are there as well uh, to go look at. And often, Fanny Taylor is described as a victim as well because it is true that she did get attacked by this man John Bradley uh, but and in that sense she is a victim but instead of coming out and telling the truth about what was going on she chose to blame it on a black man and then that led to the death, to quite a staggering amount of deaths and the destruction of a whole town. So, whereas I do think that Fanny Taylor is a victim of abuse from uh, the from John Bradley, who she was having an affair with, uh, and is a victim of that, she is not a victim from being beaten by a black man. She's not a victim from being raped by a black man. That is something that came up uh, three days after 
she had made her initial accusation and was used by the mob of white men and white Americans to just continue their killing. Whew. Sorry. Just had to get that out there. I... All victims need to be heard and listened to, and their claims need to be investigated. Um, we live in a culture that is just now starting to realize that as well. And I do not want this woman who was a victim of something uh, to be... To not be remembered as a victim, but she is also the cause of so much more death than what would have happened had she just told the truth. So she, sure, she is a victim, but she's also perpetrate. She also perpetrate. She also perpetuated a ton of violence and is the cause of that. And she knew that what she was saying would elicit enough response to kill a black man. Okay. Continuing on. And I'm sorry if this seems um, all over the place. I'm trying to talk about this as naturally as one can. Uh, or at least as naturally as I can. So going back, Sheriff Walker, and along with the mill supervisor, W.H. Pillsbury, tried to contain the mob that was forming in Sumner and in Levy County. Uh... From all my research, it seems that both of these men, who were white, did everything that they could in their power. The sheriff is a little less, I'm a little less certain about, uh, based off of my research, it seems that there are things he did uh, when he realized he lost control, but there are also things that he did that helped create the initial mob. Um, for instance, he believed Fanny Taylor, created a posse, and was involved with the lynching of Sam Carter. Uh, at the very least, if not there, because there's no evidence to say that he was there, he put the men together who did, who did it into the posse. He created that posse. This is all happening within a matter of hours um, and soon to be days. On the evening of January 4th, the mob that Sheriff Walker and H.W. Pillsbury were unable to contain arrived in Rosewood and surrounded the house of Sarah Carrier. Sarah Carrier is the reason we know about Fanny Taylor. Because she worked 
for Fanny Taylor. And it's not Sarah Carrier that is the bearer of this information. It is her grandson and granddaughter. who were survivors uh and we don't know uh what was said you know at the time we know that if anything was said otherwise about fanny taylor it was not believed because if it was or even if it was believed, they did not care because they still continued to destroy the town of Rosewood. Sarah Carrier's house had people, children, uh, bl black Americans seeking refuge there. This is still the new year. Families are together. Uh, this house was protected by Sylvester Carrier, who I mentioned earlier. Uh, Sylvester Carrier was proud and independent, which is not a combination that white men and other, just white people in general, like out of black men. He was a crack shot, an expert hunter, and a music teacher, and was simply called Man. And I would like you to remember that for later, uh, when we discuss uh, the legacy of Rosewood. Because he was proud and independent, many whites considered him arrogant and disrespectful. He lived in that town. This is a town that he helped make and he would fight for it and he did because as I said on the evening of January 4th a mob arrived at Sarah Carter's house which he was protecting and it is there that the first death from the town of Rosewood happens uh, officially Sam Carter was lynched and is a part of this Rosewood massacre, uh, but the this was the first attack, uh, from what I can tell. The, the lynching was an attack as well, and it was a form of intimidation that was being used, but this is the, 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 the start of the battle of Rosewood. Because that's what this was. This this became a fight for these people, for these Americans' lives. These black Americans were fighting for their lives. Um, hey everybody, welcome to the stream. Uh, notice you coming and going. Feel free to uh, ask questions in the chat of anything as well. It's one of the reasons why the narrative is a bit free-flowing. Because I want to leave it open for people to discuss. Several shots were exchanged. It did not last long. Sarah Carrier was shot in the head. 
It is said that Sylvester Carrier was also killed during this, but not before he killed two white men that had been deputized by Sheriff Walker, C.P. Polly Wilkerson and Henry Andrews. Uh, Wilkerson kicked in the front door, Andrews was behind him, uh, and they were both shot and killed by Sylvester, assumedly. Uh, that's what I like to think, anyways, in my head canon of uh, the events. And everybody else in the house was able to uh, get out while Sylvester was distracting the mob. They were able to get into the woods and hide in the swamps. It is from there that over the next days that the white mob kept coming and going back from Sumner to Rosewood each time destroying and burning more and more of the city of the town each time killing more and more black Americans until eventually uh, on January 6th uh, with the help of John and William Bryce and potentially also Sheriff Walker uh, and John Wright they were able to evacuate um, citizens of Rosewood. Only women and children were allowed on the train uh, because uh, John and William Bryce feared retaliation from other whites, other white Americans. Uh, John Wright and his wife Mary Jo also hid several citizens in their general store um, and it does appear that Sheriff Walker did what he could to get uh, as many residents out on the train as possible. John Wright's store and house were the only buildings left in Rosewood by the end of the massacre. The uh, official quote-unquote at the time amount of deaths was eight people, two white men, six black Americans, women and men amongst them. Uh, the official at the time, though, was very, very underreported on the amount. There, uh, and I wonder why. Shock that white people don't even want to admit how many people they've murdered. Uh, one thing that Sheriff Walker was able to do, however, that was for the good was prevent the, uh, the governor of Florida 
Carrie Hardy at the time from bringing in the National Guard. Uh, however, he did ask uh, Sheriff P.G. Ramsey of Achula County to send assistance. Uh, Achula County sent in a bunch of KKK members to assist. Uh, so it is no surprise that the white men who were trying to prevent the mob from forming were unable to do so when all the other white men that were joining them were either members of the KKK or believed what the KKK was doing, believed in what they were doing. All right, so January 6th uh, is when the massacre ends. ends. Um, so from January 1st to January 6th, five days, six days, if you count the 6th itself, six days of hiding and escaping from a town that was built and prosperous by black Americans, all because a white woman lied. The response from Florida at the time was to, in February, have an all-white grand jury convene in Bronson, and they found, after listening to 25 witnesses, eight of whom were black, insignificant evidence to prosecute any perpetrators. And the judge presided said that this was just the actions of the mob. This did make national news at the time. Uh, most of it being very racist in its response, as uh, making it seem that this was not a bad thing that happened. However, the Tampa Tribune did say that it was a foul and lasting blot on the people of Levy County, and the Tampa Tribune is correct in that, so at least they got something right. Excuse <laughs> me, I just need a moment. Now, despite there being this national uh, fervor, very shortly after the incident itself, uh, before the massacre itself, um, it it died down and was forgotten. Some of which is because the survivors themselves, who have suffered from a immense trauma, were afraid to talk about it, and in fact, many of them moved continuously um, after the events of Rosewood, and these are children. These are children. These survivors are children at the time of this happening, and they are going all over Florida, which is still riddled 
with members of the KKK and are terrified that they will be found by them. They change their names, they change cities multiple times throughout their lives. Uh, and of, some of them cannot escape the horrors that they lived and take their lives. Um, Sarah Carrier's husband, he was on a fishing trip when the whole event happened. And when he came back, his whole town was gone. His whole fam, most of his family was dead. And when he met with the survivors in Gainesville, uh, he was a significantly changed man and died a year later. The attack on Rosewood killed more and caused more harm than just the attack itself. Earlier when I started researching Rosewood, I had wanted to discuss how this incident helped create and continue to create the economic disparity that black Americans are still in today. The wealth gap between a white, a average white American and average black American is huge, huge. However, I'm not an economist and I was not able to find the words to best talk about that in a way that I felt knowledgeable and informed. But there is no general wealth being formed when white people destroy the places that black Americans are trying to build that general wealth in. Alright, so some good things though about Rosewood. Uh, they don't come till years later and it's because of a reporter named Gary Moore who worked for the St. Pete Times. St. Petersburg Times. He drove to Cedar Key and was looking for a story and he commented on the gloomy atmosphere and a local woman replied I know what you're digging for you're trying to get me to talk about that massacre and that was enough and he found survivors and wrote uh, about the wrote about the Rosewood massacre and brought it back into the country's eyes and this was in 1982 uh, there are mixed feelings about uh, this uh, article and the survivors uh, between the survivors themselves uh, with talking to him some of which is again fear of retaliation uh, some is also fear of forgetting and not getting out and not uh, and people not knowing and Americans not knowing of this incident this massacre this horrible moment in our history because if we don't know it we are doomed to repeat it um, and so this uh, this article brought it back in uh, into the light of the nation and to uh, uh, at least for a little while and uh, it also led enough 
um, interest and support so that in 1993 the survivors of Rosewood and the victims of Rosewood sued the state of Florida and won and were paid reparations so it may have taken some time and it is still not full justice however the survivors were able to win 2.1 million package in re reparations uh, and that I think is is wonderful I mean it's horrible that this this incident happened it's horrible that we forgot about it but at least for one moment we remembered and then we forgot about it again because I was alive in 1993 and in Florida and I heard nothing about this now granted I was still quite quite young I was a child myself but you would think that a monumental mo a moment that is so monumental in black American history in American history in the state in Florida history would be taught but it's not it's not taught so that kids like me who are white never have to deal with that and can think that wasn't us that was the people of the past we're better we don't act like them instead of learning as to why the people in the past did these things as to why it is awful act that happened and how we can better ourselves from it <sighs> okay so that is the Matt Frankel digest <laughs> version of Rosewood's history and I've probably done a I've probably done a job that I, I I've probably done a, a meh job on giving the full history in all honest in all honesty uh, this is the first time I've ever done anything like this uh, typically when I give histories like this I am talking in a giant group amongst people and the jumping around from moment to moment works a bit better in that setting uh, but I felt very strongly that this story and this history needed to be told and I myself am still learning more about it as you know I continue every day I'm not going to stop learning about Rosewood just because this episode is over it is a part of Florida history these things happened and it needs to be remembered now before we finish off for today uh, hey welcome to the stream uh, we just finished talking about the Rosewood massacre and are going to be discussing Rosewood the movie 
1997, uh, John Singleton made a uh, historical fiction um, film called Rosewood about the Rosewood Massacre. And it stars John Voight, Vin Rains, Don Cheadle, uh, and others. And the I, I'm just going to say first off, that the movie itself is fabulous. Very, very well-made movie. Um, and if you haven't watched it, do yourself the favor. Go rent it. Go buy it. Just go watch it. Find it and watch it. It is worth it. Uh... It is a it is a fictionalized uh, version of the event, um, not in the mm, is fictionalized because they add characters who were not there. They are also telling a story and a narrative of that is more than just the attack on Rosewood itself. Um, there is not a moment wasted in that movie. And the performances are in incredibly strong. Uh, I've never been more intimidated by Don Cheadle in my life. And it was amazing and wonderful to see that strength and power from not just a man who is not physically intimidating uh, in their size and stature, but to see a black man be that intimidating and to to understand why that it was that's important to see both visually and like at the moment of time uh the movie also does this amazing thing of showing how we pass on knowledge from one generation to the next uh both good and bad knowledge there's multiple scenes where we see a adult authority figure teaching something to a younger individual and there's even moments of people going you'll understand when you're older i had to get these things i had to learn these things too when asked as to why something is the way it is and is beautiful it's just a beautiful movie and it's it's a shame that i didn't know about it uh it's a shame that more people don't know about it as well this is something that again like we have these resources and we are not using them to remember our own history because other other people other forces ourselves uh, other not even forces is so wrong that's so not the right words because of the system of white supremacy that we live in constantly is sweeping away anything that does not make white people comfortable and rosewood the movie is never gonna make a white audience comfortable because in order to be comfortable while watching that movie you have to admit that the system we live in and our perpetuating benefits from exists and caused it and the movie does a great job of showing how the people at the time uh, in, in in the way of the film too 
are trying some of which not all of them the 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 uh trying to do the right thing and how the right thing is often we are prevented from doing the right thing not because we know right from wrong but because we are caught in the machine from day one that we are a cog in this machine we have individual moments that we get to choose what we do with them but ultimately right now even to this day unless we are actively fighting against the machine we are a part of the machine uh and this is done best i think in the movie with the character of sheriff wilkins which is played by michael rooker and he does a, a a very good job and the writing for this character is very strong and is done so in a way where it shows how insidiously simple it is to be a part of the system without knowing from the first time we see the sheriff he is telling a <laughs> very clear white uh person who would have killed and escaped convict uh who would have killed a black escaped convict to bring them to him to not kill him to bring him to him he is the sheriff he wants law and order as the film progresses we see him lose control uh, a control he never had we see him threatened by higher power structures that if he can't keep uh control that he will be replaced with someone who will and is very clear that is by control they mean if you can't keep your blacks in line we find someone who will in the movie the sheriff is constantly trying to stop the mob and then joins the mob from either fear of retaliation being swept up in the moment emotionally or just not knowing how to get out and being trapped in it and from what I can tell this is what happened with the real-life sheriff and even though uh, the history says that he helped rescue them or evacuate them the movie does not show that the movie continues to show him as someone who has lost control and because of losing that control uh, joins even when he is trying to stop things but he, at a certain point he stops trying to stop and sure that might do some disservice to the real life sheriff wilkes wilkes but it helps really tell this narrative of how how powerful and how strong and deep the hate runs in this country because that's all people have been allowed to live and learn and they do this again by showing older authority figures teaching younger children this ultimately when this thread is succeeded by having the young boy whose father is a awful awful bigot and kills two of the innocent black men in this movie he the son leaves 
because he is escaping and breaking the system. And that's that's for the white audience members to get out of it. There are tons of things that the black audience members and other <laughs> other just people uh, around the world seeing this movie will take so much more from it. And I want to go to Vin Rames' character, Man. M-A-N-N. That's his name. That's just his character's name. He's a fictional character, and he's brought into the movie to help have a through line, someone we can root for that is not just the victims of Rosewood. He wants to come and be a part of this new town. He's there to buy land. He's also there to give John Voight's character, who is John Wright, who is also a white man uh, in this, uh, who was trying to do the best thing he could do, but often failed until failing meant death to an individual. And even then he failed in this movie. Uh, so that they can have these conversations and have this antagonistic relationship and overcome that. Because one of the things that Vin Rame's character says is that when you're in a war, you're in the trenches, you fight with the people beside you. Uh, John Voight's character, John Wright, in the movie, he does not want to take sides until he is given a profitable means. And I, I took it, and maybe I'm wrong, I took it as in that moment he recognized how far into the machine he was. And in the movie, he never takes the payment that he is offered to protect this black man. And I think that's intentionally shown to show that he has had some growth as well. But John Wright's character in the movie is there mostly, I think, so that we can have this moment of you fight in the trenches with who is fighting alongside with you. Because he joins in with Vin Rames. And he recognizes the problem that Vin Rains has been telling him about, and that Don Cheadle has been telling him about, and that the whole town is trying to escape from. And they make John Wright uh, help with the train evacuation. And narratively, I think it works really well. The history might be off, but narratively, it works really well. It tells this amazing, beautiful story. But the character man does not exist in reality, and I think the reason why he is called man, as I mentioned earlier when talking about Sylvester Carrier, is because Sylvester Carrier was called man, and they wanted to have these two characters side by side to represent the man Sylvester Car Carrier was, the school teacher, or the music teacher, you know, the business, the respectable businessman who does not look like he is an intimidating person and then also have someone who is from the military because Vin Rain's character is a former World War One, uh, is a veteran from the First World War um, and have this heroic character apart from this historic character. Uh, in the movie Sylvester survives. He's able to escape in uh, the coffin of Sarah carrier uh and helps rescue vin rames at the end uh because on the train again only women and children were allowed to be on the train there's a certain point where the klu klux klan in 
carts, wagons, cars are chasing down this train and are chasing down uh, innocent black men in the woods. And they can't let them onto the train. But Vin Raines can't not fight. And he starts fighting. And that's when he... They, him and John Voight have the moment of, this is a war we're fighting. And it is a war we're fighting. We are fighting against the white supremacy of this country. We're fighting against the racism in this country. And it's from the beginning of our country that we have had this. And we are still fighting. I highly recommend watching the Rosewood movie. It's very good, very strong movie, and one that we should not forget, uh, even though it does take liberties with the history. Um, now, before we finish off for the day, I do want to talk about uh, one last thing, which are some of the sources uh, I had, and if you're looking for more information about Rosewood, uh, where to go look. Um, of course, as I mentioned, I, I would check out the Wikipedia entry on it. It is very thorough, full of great information, and the source, the books uh, that are used there uh, in the bibliography, I would, uh, all of those are very well organized and were referenced uh, and are great. Uh, the two biggest, or the three biggest things are like Judgment Day, The Ruin and Redemption of a Town Called Rosewood by Michael DeSorio. Uh, and where is it? The a Documented History of the Incident Which Occurred at Rosewood, Florida in 1923, which was the document presented to the Florida Board of Regents in 1993 um, for the Rosewood victims versus the state of Florida case, which they won. Uh, there are two websites that I have found that are dedicated to Rosewood. One is the Real Rosewood Foundation, which uh, is, where is it, run by a um, descendant of a survivor. Uh, her, the person who runs it is Lizzie PRB Jenkins, uh, and she is the daughter of Teresa Marie Brown Robinson and the niece of Mulda Goosey Brown Carrier, both of which were survivors. Um, Ms. Jenkins actually did have some issues with the depiction of the sheriff in the movie Rosewood, uh, which is one of the reasons why I, I talked about it. She felt that he was not being portrayed as the hero that he was. And whereas I do think it is important that we should remember that he did help as best he could, in the movie Rosewood, he serves a much better purpose the way he is depicted and I don't disagree with how the movie depicted him at all 
so that's the real rosewoodfoundation.com oh sorry sorry is the real rosewood foundation is at rosewoodflorida.com run run by lizzie prb jenkins uh descendant of a survivor the other website that i have found dedicated to rosewood is rememberingrosewood.org it is the rosewood heritage foundation inc i was unable to find out who was running this however they uh one thing that they have that the real rosewood foundation does not have is um transcripts of oral histories from survivors or descendants of survivors uh which are very very cool filled with lots of information and uh lastly uh in my research i was looking for podcasts i'm a big audio learner and so i found this podcast called uh the gist of freedom right yes the gist of freedom preserving american history through the american experience and from what i understood uh, understood i only listened to the episode they had on rosewood um that this podcast uh is brought to you by Leslie Gist, uh, author of The Gist of Freedom is Still Faith, and uh, is documenting recordings of the past. So the podcast on Roadwood has a 15-minute introduction of lynching about lynching that was written by Ida B. Wells, but is read by uh, someone else. And then it has a recording of Rosewood survivors at a meeting talking about Rosewood and the audio is actually really pretty reasonable uh, to listen to it is a, it is an older audio so there is uh, that so keep that in mind but it um, it was really moving to hear the actual voices of the survivors and the Remembering the Rosewood Heritage Foundation, having those transcripts, I think, adds more to our understanding of the of what happened in Rosewood and how we can honor the survivors and the victims by not forgetting this and by supporting and fighting for black lives. These were American citizens that were let down by a country that was never going to support them at the time. And we need to show that that is different now. And we can still do that uh, while honoring the past. We just have to admit when we've been monsters in it, we really do. And by we, I mean white people. We white people need to admit when we have been the mistakes because even though i was not alive in 1923 i still by not remembering rosewood am perpetuating white supremacy and i'm we can't do that we just can't so thank you for sitting with me uh and listening 
to me kind of ramble about Rosewood. Uh, please, if you have any questions, um, direct message me. I will be posting this on YouTube, uh, and you can write it in the comments. Uh, I On Twitter, I'm at ShadowMage196, so send me a direct message if you have questions, or just ask me directly on Twitter. I'm more than willing to talk about this and dive more into it if I have uh, if I have misrepresented any of the history please let me know I, I am by no means perfect and I would rather know my mistake and admit it and then correct it than to live not knowing because that's a part of the problem so I will be back in two weeks because uh, I need time to research and we will be remembering another part of history. Thank you very much and uh, I'll see you next Friday or two weeks from now.